The Time Is Now podcast, presented by IRG. Hey everyone, welcome back to another The Time Is Now podcast. I'm Daniel, your host, and I'm here with the boss, Giovanna, is going to be my co-host today. And we are talking to Cristina Ortiz about 1031 exchange and how can you save money on your real straight estate transaction. That's right. And also we have the master of closings here on, on our office, Paulina, that also is going to uh, ask questions because she wants to learn a lot about 1031 okay, exchange. So before we start, pretty, please introduce yourself to everybody that is listening to us and um, what's your what's your specialty? Sure. Well, Daniel, thanks for having me. As I said, before we started um, doing this live filming, that this is my first podcast, so bear with me. You're, you um, couldn't be in a better <laughs> place. Yes, yes. You're in the thank right you, place. thank you. So, uh, yes, Daniel, thanks for inviting me. And uh, my name's Christina. I'm a real estate attorney based here in, in Miami, South Florida. And I do title mostly for residential and commercial transactions. Where the 1031 subject comes into play is when you're an investor and you're going to be either you know selling to purchase another investment property then you sell that investment property to purchase another one mm -hmm. you can avoid being subject to a capital gains tax and so it's called 1031 because it's pursuant to the IRS code 1031 so you can start off there you can google it look on the IRS code obviously it's very technical but that's how that's what uh, I guess determines how you can save money but we all but um as we've discussed before 1031 is really like a deferment of this right mm -hmm. it doesn't say, mean that you're never going to pay exactly i mean it could happen in 30 eventually. years if you just keep doing it over but you know if you do it three or four times within five years at the end somehow there's going to be a gain and you're going to be subject to to the capital gains tax which is you know could be it's it depends but it's around 15 percent usually of the gain of the gain, of yeah. the gain. Mm -hmm. that's right and the gain um includes all the expenses on the purchase, all the uh, um, 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 tax uh, property it's that you the paid, appreciation everything. appreciation in value and how, how does an investor realize that? It's through a profit, right? So and, any so expenses, costs. costs, those things, that's that's not a gain, that's not a profit. You, mm -hmm. That came out of your pocket. So it'd be, you know, let's just say you purchased an investment property. There's that, that base principal amount that you purchased it for. And then there's going to be follow-up investments, you know, with improvements. Maybe you need to repair some things. And then when you sell it, all we're looking at is what did you purchase it for? And um, what did you invest in it? You know, this is done through depreciation schedules with your CPA. And then what you are realizing as a profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's just start there. It's, it's by the 1031 code. And that's what it is. It it's, does not apply to your primary residence where you live, your residential primary exactly. residence. Have to be an this has profit. to do with real property that is for trade or business, which for us, basically, it's investment, you know, to make money. Does land, it's qualified, uh, is qualified for 1031 exchange? Yes. If it, you know, it has to have a cat. It's, it's under this category of real property. That's a mm -hmm. building, vacant land, a lot, a farm. Uh, even a townhouse, but it's for business or trade. It's for investment. That is all real property covered under the 1031. So, so sorry. So even residential, even though it is bought as an investment property, so it's producing income, it qualifies as an income. Absolutely, because it's for investment. It's not your primary residence. Exactly. What 1031s don't apply to, just to make it easier to visualize, um, are stocks, bonds, those type of things. So I don't know what scenario that would be, but, for example, if you wanted to... Um, see if 1031 applied to you by a gain 
that had to do with stock or a bond or something like that, it would not apply. It's only real property. Okay. Real yeah. And then when we had discussed this before, you had mentioned that it also has to be a property that's like kind. Mm -hmm. Could you give us a little bit more details, please? Yeah, about? so there's like strict inter interpretations of what that means. And then there is, you know, once, if you do it properly from the beginning, yes. you can, anything, any real property, that's one, that's the first point, right? Real property. So mm -hmm. we just went through that. It's yes. real estate. That is used for business or trade. What does that mean? Investment, making money, okay? That all can be used as an interchangeable, like-kind property, mm -hmm. okay? If you're selling your primary residence to then invest it into two rental properties, that is not a, that is not covered by 1031 because you went from a primary residence where you were not making money off of it, mm -hmm. even if maybe at some point you did make money off of it. It's your primary residence, okay? okay? Right. Um, that is how the, the IRS would, you know, cr like critique this or criticize this or audit this if, if they were to audit this 1031 agreement that you have. Um, another thing that comes up with that is there's people who say, well, I have a vacation home and I put it on Airbnb sometimes. Mm -hmm. yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yes. Well, that is also one of those things that you will scrutinize under a reasonable scrutiny. What does that mean? You can live there six months. Mm -hmm. There is no there's no strict rule that says like uh, you must not live in the property for 200 days out of the year. No, there is nothing like that. But you know there is a scrutiny, right? I mean, I uh, a seminar that I was on yesterday, um, an IRS um, representative was saying, you know, two weeks. I mean, try not to use it. For personal use or live in it for more than two weeks per year? year for two yeah. weeks but that's, wow. that's a, a recommendation on correct the, on the, on that's the, not a strict rule though because so. the strict rule is it cannot be your primary residence exactly even in the seminar look and how what is the definition the of primary then where you live where you claim homestead exemption maybe okay, okay. where you live in at least half of the year Right, because maybe two pe people have two primary residences. They live out of the country for half of the year and exactly. come back for exactly. half. But it's personal use is also another good uh, keyword to use for that. Are you using it for your personal use for the majority or half of the year? Okay, okay. because okay. if he has a vacation home, as Giovanna pointed, mm -hmm. but he doesn't rent it, he uses it for his own vacation, and he doesn't make money on it, so that would be considered like a second primary yeah. in that ter yeah. on those terms? Yes, you would have to prove that this is something that you were as a pattern or typically using for trade or business, right? Using it as your second home or even for your kids in college to crash in while they're at the University of Miami and you have a condo here and you live somewhere else and your kid is using that condo, that is not for trade or business. You're not making money off of that. Okay. So, and remember, someone who has an investment property usually has already tapped in their accountant or CPA to do accounting for this property. You know, what's coming in, what's coming out, appreciation and depreciation. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have some kind of paper trail for that. Okay. So if you're using it as a second home for even a family member, that's for personal use. Mm -hmm. You're not, there's no income being produced from that property. It's not going to qualify even under 1031. It, even though it might have appreciation, it's, 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 a, it, 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 it's not your you know, intent to buy for that. And reason. you can't show it either, right? Because you're, you aren't uh, yeah. using it for trade or, or use. Now... If it's a scenario where maybe you, you got into a bad investment and the intention was to rent it for business or trader to make money, but you, you can't sell it or you can't rent it, and there was no income coming in, mm -hmm. at least you could establish the intention was, yes, this, this was for an investment property. Okay. Yeah, but then you're not making money, you're not saving anything. <laughs> anyway. right. 
So um, the um, like kind, then, it's more associated to the fact that you are using for investment than the kind of the property meaning. Uh, I bought a townhouse to to rent. Mm -hmm. I'm making money. It's an investment property. I never lived there. It's rented 12 okay. months. Okay, so far so good. I mm -hmm. sold it, and now I want to buy an uh, office. Mm -hmm. Is that considered a like kind because it's investment, or is not like kind because one is residential and the other one is? Commercial? No, hey, it's 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 a real property, and used for trader business. That is a like kind exchange. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So what if you want to buy the same amount of uh, money that you're investing, but it's two properties instead of one? You could do that. Okay. You could relinquish three to buy one. You could relinquish relinquish one property to buy four. It even goes uh, across state uh, lines. I've been involved okay. in 1031s where a woman was selling two Alabama properties to purchase one investment property here in South Florida. Oh, um, it, it can be done. About that. Yes. Let, let, yes. Let, 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 who was interested in doing something like mm -hmm. that. Let me make it a little bit harder on you. Sure. The investor is American or mm -hmm. for uh, um, fiscal duties, he's American, as American um, taxpayer. Correct. He has a tax ID number, he pays he taxes. Has, yes. We're not talking about immigration exactly. status, right? His co the company that he uses to purchase the real estate is here, mm -hmm. but the real estate is outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. And he sells it. Technically, okay. he needs to pay capital gains here because he had a profit. Let's On the property him. that is out of the country? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. He bought it for $100,000 and he sold it for $200,000. He made a profit. He needs to pay taxes, at, um, income taxes here, right? Okay. Are you Tell asking me. or, or did that happen? I'm, I'm asking. He, he has to pay um, uh, um, uh, capital gain taxes for the, everything that it, he makes mm -hmm. money on because he's American. What is... Um, that's a good question. Now, it goes deeper. The, the property that he sold out of the country... The it's proceeds, own, the profit, is it'll go into his company, Amer into his American company's account. It's going to be a realized profit on, on the books. Um, yeah, it is. Yes. So then... He has to pay, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Gains. Can he apply for 1031 exchange being this property he sold out of the U.S.? Well, is he going to invest his, it back yeah, into he, the U.S.? Yeah, let's say he's yes. going to buy another property. Mm -hmm. In the same country that he sold. Let's say he sold in Brazil. Oh. Bought in Brazil, sold in Brazil, no. and he's buying another property there. No, because this is a this isn't a real estate law issue. This is more of a tax. This is a strict tax subject. Okay. okay. And the IRS only applies to American either entities or individuals or properties. But this is or companies. his American entity. But the, the, the ten thirty one has here. to do with real property. And the real property is not located in the US. Mm -hmm. So I so I could be yes. wrong, but I, I I am pretty sure that the interpretation would be that no. That because no. these are properties, two, two properties outside of the United States. Okay? So I, the 1031, an IRS 1031 instrument would not apply to something that is being, that is happening outside of the, of the okay. U.S. Because it's not just profit. We're, we're talking, the 1031 has multi-prongs. Yes. Real property and gains. It's, and this now is a real property and easy game. But it's not, but in it's the not US. located in the U.S. Yeah. But the, the law doesn't say anything about it. I bet you there, there's, yes. there's going to be... Uh -huh. I'm yeah. sure there is. Because you need to pay. If you are an American taxpayer, you need to pay mm -hmm. your taxes from yeah, whatever you make money that's in That's fine. It's just, but if you're going to buy another property... Um, international, yeah. then that's that's yeah, why yeah, you won't apply. That's, that's Unless you're gonna, I think it will apply only if you buy a property in the U.S. Right. Mm -hmm. So, because for example, think about it. I, 
that we're gonna go into the timeline of how exactly. this works, okay? Yes. So what's gonna happen is that when you enter into a contract to sell your investment property, where you're intending to purchase another investment property, we're gonna use your scenario of being out of the country. This contract is not a Florida contract, it's not a US contract, exactly. okay? But you're selling, you're, you're gonna go to sell it. You have to enter into what is called a 1031 exchange agreement. It is an agreement where in writing through a qualified intermediary. Oh, What's yeah. a qualified intermediary? It's not even a title company. It's not a lawyer. It's not me. It's, it is a agent, agency, a third party that has nothing to do with the transaction because mm -hmm. what the IRS uh, calls constructive realization of your proceeds. What is that? It is. It might have never hit your bank account, but it, even if it went into my account, or into your lawyer's account, that is a constructive um, realization of these proceeds. Mm -hmm. Okay, the proceeds exist. If you right. have it or not, it's, it's not. Yeah. In so, question. what's in this 1031 exchange uh, contract or agreement where you're putting in writing? Because if you're ever audited by the IRS, you need this official thing. It couldn't just been an email. It's a, it's an actual contract with a qualified intermediary. They usually charge around. 900 let's just say a thousand dollars and it's a one-time payment you put it in your closing statement out of your so i think it's pretty reasonable especially with all the, the work that they're doing also? they do the closing no, also the title no. company does. so me that's why i work the agent so well only is there to get the to, hold, to the hold, hold the money to hold the money correct that's it that's it and obviously to, to prepare and the and and the the paperwork for the time for the tax mm -hmm. because it's their job to hold the funds and also make sure that we're complying with the 1031 IRS exactly. code. They're the a qualified intermediary for me is the expert on IRS code 1031, mm -hmm. yes. and that is what their function is, and that is why me as a title company, remember I have money coming in and out of my trust account that has to do with this transaction, so I cannot be the qualified intermediary. Mm -hmm. So those proceeds have to go directly to the QI, the what we call the quali qualified intermediary. That is why they have to be involved before the closing, and when I say before, it could be the morning of, that okay. you decide, oh my gosh, I totally didn't know about 1031, I didn't realize I couldn't... Uh, put my proceeds with you, the title company. That morning you prepare the title work with, um, I'm sorry, the 1031 agreement with a qualified intermediary and you're safe, you're good. But the funds are gonna go directly to them. So in this 1031 agreement, you're gonna have the property relinquishing, let's just say in this scenario, it's this international property, it's not domestic. Then you have to list the potential properties that you're looking at, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what it's called. Um, there's RP, uh, RP, which is a relinquished property, and then you have the reinvestment property, the identified property. But you have certain days, if I'm not mistaken, right? For to make 45 days from the date that you closed on the sale, okay. the day of closing. So that day, let's just say it's today, you'll, we would have 45 days to in writing write a list. And the IRS has a limit on the number because then that's not fair right we could just say a book of look at all these properties i'm looking at and yes. you really didn't yeah. identify a property so you have to have a, a a substantial list where you show that you know how did you identify them mm -hmm. well you identified them per location cap, you know the estimated capital to contract or loi for them or something like that no no, no. You just, just identify these okay. are the ones i'm looking at you know and it's it's this is, you're telling a story. With, with When you're preparing your taxes, you're telling a story, so thankfully there's no like strict um, identification rules on that, but the strict rules are 45 days to identify the property, and I'm still using your scenario. Where ident See how it doesn't make sense that we're using two international properties, but we're using a, U a U.S. Yeah, it doesn't uh, make sense. Right. So that's why I don't think it would but apply. But my question is so still not fully responded, because right now we are trying to interpret it ourselves. Exactly. But if the, the law doesn't say anything, 
then you then you, you have a lawyer. creative CPA. You have yeah. a, if you have a yeah. creative, just like when we the do our taxes like every that. year, if you can get creative. It's not said you can do it. You have to tell a story, right? Exactly. Yes. That is why. If you know that you're reaching, when I call it reaching, like when you know you're like, oh, this is the law didn't it really may. speak, uh-huh. then, then try to be as uh, specific as possible in telling your story through the 1031 agreement and with your CPA. Yeah. You understand? Yes. Um, so the reason I am so involved with 1031s is, and I'm not a tax professional, I'm not a CPA, is because I have to be identifying these issues as a title attorney. I have to identify well, what's the purpose of this closing, what does my client want to do with these proceeds, et cetera. So that's where I pull in uh, a, a qualified intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 45 days is from the day that we close. We have to show or show a list or produce a list in writing, not even to the IRS yet. You're just doing it to your QI, it's your qualified intermediary. So you don't have to have the property yet. You just have to identify within the yes. property that you're looking for. Correct. Not, the pro- not select the property yet. Exactly. And how many options did you say? Or not there it, that the IRS is very specific yes. on, okay? And we can look that up now. Um, I don't know if you want to take a look, but you Google it or something on our phones right now because there is a specific amount. Like I said, they don't want investors taking advantage and just choosing a random printing out the MLS and just being like, oh, here are my potential properties. Yes. No, they have, there's, an in, there's an intentional decision that these are potential reinvestment properties. So that's the 45-day timeline. And then really the whole timeline is 180. 180. So from the day that you close on the sale of your investment property, which is called the relinquished property, then within those 180 days, you have to close, not identify, but okay. close, close on the purchase, whether it's one or two properties, whatever you're going to do on, for real property, it's 180 days. Yesterday, the seminar that I attended was really good. It was by the qualified intermediary that, that I use. It's um, affiliated with my underwriter. Um, I'm an attorney, and I do title, so I insure through the attorney's title fund, and we underwrite through the insurance company Old Republic. Old Republic is the biggest and oldest mm-hmm. title yes. company, not only in Florida, but in the country. They have their own intermediary, um, okay. so it's awesome. That's how I have these resources. They, the reason, the purpose of the seminar was, have these rules changed? Has these timelines changed because of COVID and people getting sick and not traveling? They haven't yet. Like, okay. no. no. 45 and 180. You so, can't say, like, oh, we were going to close, but it got delayed because of yes. a COVID situation. Yes. No. They're no, not no, looking at it, it like that. Just to be super clear. Both the 45 and the 180 mm-hmm. are from the day of selling the, the first property. Mm-hmm. It's not 45 plus 180. Oh, no. No, it's 45 no. and 180 from the day you close the sale of your Correct. first and, property. And that's important, right? Because let's just say you don't, you identify the property on the 100th day. You already missed that 45-day yes. um, timeline. Yeah, no. You the, know? The 45 days is pretty clear. Yeah. The confusion sometimes may Correct. happen on the 100. Oh, so after the 45, I have another 100. But mm-hmm. no. From the day you sold the property and close it, you have 45 to identify and 180 to close another yeah. one. Yeah. And you, it's so technical, right? Because what's, um, what I have seen, and I actually think it's a good thing, is let's, what if you identified six properties in, within those 45 days? You're still within the, the rules, right? The, the code. Yeah. But you end up closing on a property that was not on that list. That's okay, too, because... You, we know things don't work out or you do an inspection and something falls through. So it, it, you just have to have like the good faith showing okay. that so you intended and you identified these pro- these properties and, you know, you, you comply with the rules. As That's you all. said, tell a story. Correct. Yeah, they're no. just layers so the IRS sees that you are actually looking for something yeah. to reinvest. Yeah, like every year when we do our, even our individual taxes, right, we have to tell certain stories with things that we want as exemptions or something, you know. It's the same thing. 
Okay, now we have this case, I just remember. Um, he's selling this property, which is a rental property, mm -hmm. um, and he's buying a business. Okay, in this case, um, will that qualify? Business is there a real, real property involved? It's not a real pro no. I mean, it's a lease, it's not a, because it's a business. No. Because it's real property, he's selling a real property to buy a business, and that is, even though a business has assets and maybe inventory so or whatnot, it's not, it's not, not real property. It's not land, a building, a lot. No. There okay, and the okay. business has no real estate. No, that's what I just asked. Because if I'm the CPA, because if I'm had, saying if had, no, we gotta get we gotta get creative here. Lease, so if he had uh, a real a purchase, property, he owns you it. could separate, mm -hmm. and you use the proceeds to buy exactly. part the real and you wouldn't you exactly. wouldn't pay there and the other one. I remember that's your if you are going to be an investor, even if the word investor, is so everyone uses it now. Um, but you're gonna buy a property that you are intending to use it for investment. You know that eventually. Um, at some point, you're going to sell it. Well, get a CPA that is well-versed in, in the IRS code 1031 because in that aspect, if I'm that client, I'm telling my CPA, hey, we're buying a business. Mm -hmm. they, I am buying real estate within the business. You know, maybe it's a, um, it's part of the deal. Yeah. Get creative, CPA, and, and get me that 1031 yeah. exchange coverage. Exactly. I have that. two questions. Sure. So one, if I, I'm guessing that maybe some people have this question, is there a minimum amount that the real property has to be worth? For example, can it be as little as twenty thousand, fifty thousand dollars of land? Yes, absolutely. Remember, it's all it's the gain. Um, we're not talking. I don't even want to get into it, but we're not talking about FERPTA. That has to do with like the whole contract price. Yes. 1031. Uh, you're deferring paying taxes on the profit, just mm -hmm. the profit. So if your profit was $10,000, you're gonna have to pay a capital gain on that, right? It's not exactly. protected by any personal homestead exemptions or anything like that, right? So there's a capital gain. Those $10,000 you could reinvest into um, another real property and, and it's covered. Okay, and the second question, for example, after closing, the funds from the first day of closing to the 180 days, let's say that you close on the 179th day, the funds are kept in the QI's, the QI's account. account. And then that's why the QI's job even surpasses my job, right? Because on the day of closing, mm -hmm. I've just the, the, the funds went to the QI, the the, the, the proceeds, what we call the proceeds or the realized profit, right? And then that QI is kind of on the hook for the next 180 days saying, okay, client, we got to find your reinvestment property and we got to close on it. And then on the day of closing, just like all the other, there'll be a cash to close, let's just say, right? That QI wires those your funds from mm -hmm. the sale to the title company that's doing the the purchase of your your new investment property. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The owner cannot touch the money. No. The owner Never. cannot touch the money. Touch and it's there's a it's called constructive realization. Like if your money, you're my client and you're you're the seller, and it went into mine. It's like still account, yours. You still sort of realize that profit already. Yeah. Exactly. I don't Me. think that's fair, but hey, that's what the IRS Yeah, because the IRS <laughs> You're still not touching that. it, exactly. but yeah. yeah. I'm not touching, but it's still. not the qualified agent. Correct. That's the key player on this deal yeah. is mm -hmm. the qualified agent. Exactly. And, you know, let's just, of course, we're all subject to IRS codes. That may seem unfair or don't make sense, but at least the QI um, that you choose, and hopefully they're a, they're a legit company, because another thing that we were talking about is that people, third parties um, set up a business as an intermediary and they just hold your funds. But they don't really know about the timelines. They don't know about the 
they don't have to be an accountant, but they don't know about 1031s. And they're just setting up companies and they have a trust account, they just hold the funds. Um, so try to use obviously a, a qualified intermediary that is well, uh, has a good reputation and has been doing it for a long time. Um, I, I think their fee is reasonable, you know, like I, to handle this, it's not like. So what, what does it take to be a qualified intermediary? Like you need to be registered in some yeah. kind of association? Correct, you have to be registered and you have to be. Um, registered in the IRS. Well, not technically. You just have to have a, a fiduciary. You have to be. Okay. You have to hold yourself out to the public as a fiduciary agent, someone okay. who does not have to be a CPA or no, no, no. Um, they don't even have to be a lawyer. It's they don't a, even have to be a lawyer. No, but you, they usually are, right? They're usually a, a backed by attorneys or by uh, accountants. There are attorneys who have become qualified intermediaries. And, but for the specific transaction, they, cannot do the they can't do the closing. Okay. They can't even represent any of the parties. They are just, just an escrow agent, basically, like a, okay. a, a trust agent, okay. a trust account agent. That's it. So um, just remembering, we have 45 days to identify a property. Mm -hmm. We have 180 days to, to close. close it. It needs to be investment property. And the investment issue is, or the qualification of investment is the like kind. It doesn't need to be uh, office and office, townhouse and townhouse. No. It just nope. needs to be. We're talking real about real property. Real property, business or trade. That's, I think, the easiest way right. to. to okay. yeah. Construction. Uh -huh. How does it work? I sold a, a property and now I'm buying a land to build something that I'm going to eventually use mm -hmm. as uh, investment, either to sell it with a gain or to rent it. So this was um, something that we discussed yesterday, especially in South Florida, because we do have a lot of, you know, uh, old fix and flips, fix and, and, flips and, and stuff like that, right? So there are four methods of exchanging. We could go through all four of them, but there's um, the last one that we discussed was the construction exchange. It's actually called the improvement exchange, too. So it's construction or improvement, and it defines it as you sell the relinquished property. We know what that is. It's the original one. You sell it. And you use the exchange um, funds, the proceeds, you use that to um, construct the improvements or whatnot to then purchase it. So even people who are using it to build the investment property, that, that is covered. But okay. it needs to respect the same rule of the money needs to be on the qualified agent at all times. So it doesn't say this. Look, it says upon completion of the improvements, the relinquished property proceeds, then that's when like it's realized. Okay, so basically so it says upon, the funds are going to be held um, in that third party till the property is finished. But if I'm the investor who just sold my relinquished property and I have these funds with a QI, I'm saying, okay, QI, I need, you know, $50,000 for tomorrow because we need to, you know, redo the roof or something. Yeah, I don't they know. need to send directly correct. to the contractor. So they will. Mm -hmm. if they okay. cannot send it to you to okay. you pay so the contract. Remember, you you're setting, okay. setting the story, setting the paper trail, okay? Yeah. Again, this definition does not show that there is, because 180 days for construction, we all know that that could yeah, be too impossible short. sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So the 180 is not here. Mm -hmm. And then, so just the f four methods of exchange. We have the delayed exchange where you sell the relinquished property and within the 180 days thereafter, you complete the purchase. Okay, so that's actually, they're calling that a delayed exchange, but that's what we all know as a basic 1031 exchange. 
uh, because it's not happening on the day of closing or the day after. That would be something called a simultaneous exchange where today I'm clo- in the morning I'm closing on on selling my property and I already could close on the on the per- the reinvestment property mm-hmm. you know that afternoon or, or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That would be a simultaneous one. And then we have the reverse exchange, which is where you the purchase of the relinquished property occurs before the sale. So you are purchasing mm-hmm. the property before you sell the property where you're using those proceeds to, to purchase the other one. So I know that sounds a little convoluted, but there are certain investment structures where you have certain funds, you are purchasing it like cash, but then you can use those proceeds to to, to up, uh, apply it to this one. And mm-hmm. your capital gains will be exempt from the capital mm-hmm. gains tax, okay? And then you have that last one, the construction or improvement exchange, which is what we were talking about, about telling the story of how those proceeds are going to be used. You can never, realize those proceeds technically you would think that by you telling your qi hey why are these funds for the construction or improvement of my investment property that i bought you're realizing it but that's an exception of a 1031 um you know it will Mm -hmm. apply there because you're using it for business or trade on real property Uh, there's another rule on the 1031 that is very important that needs to be the same entity that is buying and selling you cannot assigned to another person or another company, right. mm-hmm. correct? Yes. yes, that's true. What happens, mm-hmm. what happens, okay, Daniel did it for 30 years. Not Daniel, uh, John. Okay, so an John individual. Di- John dies. Mm-hmm. And this property is going to pass to his okay. son. Wh- who, who is going to pay the, the taxes? What's the going son. to happen? Uh, the estate oh. of John. Okay. So that's yeah. going to be calculated for backwards on the last 30 years, the amount of money that he didn't pay. And on that moment... No, no, no it's the, just in the last transaction. No? It's, the, it's the, the gain, right? It's just the... Remember, it's just the profit. So... Yeah, it's just the profit. If he sells it. So, for example, John passes and his son is now going to sell this property. There's going to be a gain. And remember, the son did not buy the property or use his own funds. Yeah. I mean, every case is different, but yeah, right? Yeah, but that's the, the question. Daniel started with $100,000 mm-hmm. throughout 30 years. Now he has a million dollars. John has a million dollars. It's never- not a million minus 100 and all that's subject to capital gains. That's why you have a CPA involved who does depreciation schedules and what you invested over the years and, and things like that. Okay, but the difference is capital gains. Let's say yes, not, yes, not, yes. not 900, but it's 500. Uh-huh. Yes. Remember, the first step too is getting your CPA so, to, to say like, what is your profit here? So on after after John dies and now his son, John Jr. has the, the, the property. The property. Now on that moment, the, the capital gain from the past that John didn't pay needs to be paid on that moment. When he sells the... Does, it, it doesn't have a sale because he died and he's passing his like property. Like he inherited no. the property. No, no, no. Um, Who's going to pay for that? But that? That is not called a capital gain, though. That's just like a profit that yes. you're bringing a whole other uh, subject yeah, here, I know which that is cap- I know the estate cap- tax. I know the capital gain is going to be realized when someone sells the property. But based, based, on the tenter- based on the tentary one exchange rules where you can only apply that to the same entity. Now is John Jr. who is selling the property. But John so Jr. John Jr. is going to pay only for the moment that he had the property for the capital gains or for the whole period that John father, John Sr. didn't pay for? When for the full gain. Basically, if he's acquiring the property for the certain amount, he didn't purchase that property. So whatever the gain is based on that sale is what he's going to pay taxes on. On his gain. 
So whatever they, whatever, whatever the IRS didn't collect for the last thirty years that John Senior was doing is never going to get paid. That's my in that question. case. In that that's case, that's my question. That's a good question. And in that case, it ten thirty one wouldn't come into play because now we are talking about exactly. something that you inherited. And when you inherit something, that's a whole other a tax. Different type of tax. You, yeah. there's, you can't get I like double and triple tax. You can't have a capital gain tax and an income tax and a, you know, on this yes, property that you inherited. My, my ultimate question is, for the last 30 years, John Sr. was applying for the 1031 exchange and never paid for the capital gains because he was applying for the 1031 exchange. Did he hold this one? Your, I'm yes, sorry, the, he the, held this one property. Yes, so he never applied for 1031, actually. No, no, no. He bought it, he sold it, he bought it, he sold it, he bought it, he sold it during 30 years. Mm -hmm. He bought it and sold it, I don't know, 10 properties. I don't care. Right. The 10th property is the only property that, that is going to be considered as a realized income or realized profit yeah. for, the junior. for My, the junior mm -hmm. so junior is going to pay for it no but doesn't pay but, for he just pays for the game yes he's realized, but no but you're asking about the last 30 years but the last 30 years wouldn't apply to john jr exactly john jr is so only dealing with the last property john dies it I dies know. with him that's what i'm asking so all those taxes that were deferred who is going to pay in the end you are on, okay you yeah. don't pay a capital gains tax on all of the gains yes. over the last 30. You're only doing it on the last property that you're selling. You, you're cashing in a property, right? You're not gonna reinvest it? Well, that's the gain you, from that transaction. So if John Sr. purchased a property in only 2018, yes. in 2018, okay, John Sr. using capital gains from another investment, purchased an investment property in 2018, and he died in 2020. Between 2018 and 2020, what was the realized profit? Like it doesn't accumulate over time. No, it's no, not like compounds. Like you sold it in 2000 and you well, owe 5000. The 1031 wouldn't even exist because that's you're not uh how do I say you're that's is, you're not really uh gaining an advantage there. Then right. that's all compounding. You're it's of only Of course you're gaining an advantage. If you if if I But you're not cashing. Now I am I have double advantage because if I if if I buy a property for 100 sell for 200 and I don't apply for the 1031 exchange and I need to pay taxes on it, I only have, I don't, I don't have 200 anymore to reinvest. I will have 180, I don't know, I'm, I'm just guessing, 180 to reinvest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So over the years, there I already have um, a very good, uh, um, um, what do you call, a very good deal on the 1031 exchange because I'm reinvesting the full amount of money. I'm not taking part of it and paying taxes, paying tax. So basically I'm reinvesting the taxes that I, I would pay if I didn't have applied for 1031 exchange. So what, what you're saying now is that not only I can reinvest the full amount of money that I'm making, mm -hmm. I'm only mm -hmm. going to pay taxes in the last tran transaction. It doesn't cash. matter. It doesn't matter if I, no. I started with $100,000 in property and now I have a million. Mm -hmm. If I bought the last one for a million and sold for a million two, I'm only going to pay capital gains on that two. Yes. If I'm the IRS and if I'm a QI, I am looking at this transaction of this the one property one. that was purchased in 2018 and now is being sold in 2020, whether it was by John Sr. or John Jr., and they are not gonna be reinvesting those proceeds into another one. It's, just it's the, the gain from 2018 okay. to 20, yeah. That's it. Now, so everybody needs to do 1031 exchange if they are doing investment. 
You don't have to. You don't have. You could take the proceeds because you need it no, to no, uh, buy a car to give it to your kid to go to college. But no. you're gonna pay taxes on the game. Yes. Yeah. But they have to because you save a lot of money. Oh, okay. Of yes, of course. But, but you never cash. Yeah. You're never cash. You so basically, you're just reinvesting all the time. So basically, you're mm-hmm. never cashing yeah. them. For yeah. people that have part of their portfolio to real estate, they need to use 1031 exchange exactly. because over the years, they are going to save but a lot of money. Just going back, just to reiterate, it can't, uh, an inherited property or a property that was, I don't know, gifted to you from your parents, would that enter into the 1031 exchange or no? Because if it, if it your parents bought it entity. and then they yeah. did a quick claim deed under your name, mm-hmm. right? Could that qualify Once you sell the as property. a 1031 exchange if you did a quick claim deed or is that no. so, a little far-fetched but when you um inherit inherit property even if you're not going to sell it and yeah. you inherited a value and the irs looks at it as some kind of income so just on that baseline you are going to be subject to some kind of tax mm-hmm. remember gains only a capital gain is when you sell something and you realize a profit okay we're not talking about income tax or you know an estate tax where capital gain has to do with as when uh, you are selling real property over and over again and you're invest it's a in, for trader business. But for example, that's I I inherit the property or I'm given it to it from, by a family member mm-hmm. and then I sell that property and I want to reinvest that money. Can I use a 1031 exchange or does that not apply because I didn't actually purchase the property? You can, but remember this is where the CPA comes in it's and we about- have to show you know. We have to do a paper trail of of the how, how do I say depreciation and all that because what if you inherited a uh, warehouse that your parents had for fifty years? I mean, what it goes back to what he was saying. I mean, um, the whole time it was for business or trade. It's an investment property. They purchased it, you know, fifty years ago, which is a completely different price and value from when you're gonna sell it. Mm-hmm. So there could be a significant gain there. Now it's your CP, you know, with investments and investment properties. That's when you put in all those schedules for where you um, calculate over the years, Mm -hmm. depreciation, everything that you you or your parents have uh, invested and spent on this property. So, you know, there are ways to get creative with your CPA to see how you can set this up properly. Now, we're going to, it's just my job to identify these issues and bring them up. But what you brought up reminded me also of, I've had where an LLC Mm-hmm. where there are multiple members not related. These are like business, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a business. And they created this company just for real estate. One guy wanted the money in his pocket, was going to pay, was okay paying the capital gain tax. And the other guy was, was wanted to reinvest into another investment property to avoid the capital gains. Mm-hmm. Well, as part of their 1031 agreement with their QI, they had to set out, okay, the 50% ownership, let's just say it was two partners of, an, of a company, the 50% that the guy's keeping, that's his intention, and the, but the 50% of the proceeds, right, of the profit that this guy wants, that the other partner wants to use to reinvest into a property, that's gonna be the amount that is going to be considered um, exempt from the 1031. Not the two partners joint profit, mm-hmm. it's just what you um, are reinvesting. And it can be separated. Again, you have to show the intention from when you're selling the joint property. That also comes in where let's just say I make a great investment and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wanna make so much money off of this. And you wanna take a uh, hundred thousand in your pocket personal because you know, I don't know, you have a, you wanna buy a car, your kids going to college and you wanna take it out to pay for their college. And then you still have money left over and you reinvest that into 
a, a new property, a new business or trade real property, you're only going to get taxed capital gains with what you kept in your pocket. So you could separate it. Okay. Yeah. Going on, on that basis, if in the last transaction I, I have a loss, I didn't pay for taxes this whole time, and I won't pay in the last one because I, I had a loss. I bought for a million the last one, and I sold for 900000 I have a loss. I don't have capital gains. You, you haven't realized the profit. It's a loss. You don't owe anything. I don't. I've, that's, that's. It's not clean cut. You know how the IRS is. I've yes, because these, that's what really I'm saying. I didn't realize the gains on the last one, but if I started with $100,000 and now I have $900,000, I have a lot of gains. That's my question. No, a loss is a loss, and you would have to show, you would what, show. The 1031 basically overrules everything that you did in the past and only takes into account the last transaction. Yes, because every time you do a new transaction, it's it's a new property. Yeah, but does it make That's sense to me how the IRS uh, accepts the fact that I started investing $100,000, now I have 900, but just because I lost $100,000 in the last transaction, I shouldn't pay taxes for the whole period. Well, because you continue investing. That's why. You have a yeah, tax amount. Yeah, you're IRS is very cool. I'm making $800,000 over in this example. Over 30 years, am I not paying a dime of taxes? They are cool. Yes, but remember also what you're doing for what the grand idea is that if you are using a property for trader business, you are creating a, a simulation in the economy. Yeah. That's like, you know, three years ago, I was doing, a, I, was, point, yeah. I was teaching a bunch of seminars and stuff that had to do with the 1031, taxes. and they had, with uh, Trump doing the opportunity zones, mm -hmm. I don't remember yes. that, mm -hmm. um, they were like, oh, it's going to make 1031s obsolete. Everyone's just going to be reinvesting money into these um, opportunity economic areas, and it's going to facilitate economic growth and improve these, like, areas. Um, but look, 1031s have stuck around because the IRS kept delaying their exact rules on what it means to be benefited or how are you going to benefit as an investor mm -hmm. from these opportunity zones. Okay. So it kind of died down because it wasn't very clear. And if they want to say, if they want to change the rules, it'll you could get, you know, screwed for lack of a better word. So to me, the 1031 is an immediate um, solution if you know, like, you don't want to pay capital gains tax right now. Or next year when you file your taxes so you just reinvest yeah, it and if you wait. have the clear intention to keep reinvesting that money that you are making mm -hmm. yeah. and what's cool is i remember um you start small and you make a great a nice gain on one property you can buy two more and that's the point it's for an investor it's a tool to grow and grow and grow mm -hmm. but again you know like more money more problems like yes more properties <laughs> more i want to have a million dollar problems yeah exactly <laughs> Good problems is what yeah. people say. Those are good problems to have. So, so. so what can go wrong? I mean, if you could do it this way, what can go wrong? What could go wrong is if you didn't um, comply with the uh, QI. With the, well, with the QI and you try to get creative on your own. I, I've had that happen. I have investors that say um, intelligent adventure, uh, investors, educated yeah. investors, but they didn't realize that before closing on the sale, they were like, Okay, I made all this money on the sale. It's in my bank account. I haven't touched it though, so I'm gonna buy this other investment property. That's a 1031, and no, and that's a big one. It could never have hit my account, the title company, or your account. Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't touch it, and even if you had had it in a separate bank account, and you didn't commingle funds, okay. you realized it. The first step is to have the QI mm -hmm. in place. 
that's the that's the first just tell thing. somebody tell your cpa tell your title company like oh hey i'm thinking about doing a 1031 what should i do and and that that mm-hmm. happens realtors um realtors experience yeah when you with list this, your property to sell you ask, already have to have the, yeah um, the intention you don't have to even know what property just know that it's a possibility that's all and then you could get you know um someone involved um title companies even non-lawyer title companies know about 1031s and they should put you down with the a qi that's the most important. Um, there and then you know there's pitfalls too with um, doing your own thing. Like I sold it as a as an individual, and then I created this company, and, and then I, I purchased the business. But I don't understand. So, it's an investment. So even though even though that you're the owner of the business, you're the sole proprietor of the business, and then you buy as a personal or a business, but you can change. You know, mm-hmm. even though that I'm the owner of the business, that doesn't count. You have to be the same entity. Or yeah, and what's good is, remember, like, LLCs and things like that, how they're set up. LLCs are, like, a pass-through company. So if it's the same, if you're the sole owner and it went from, like, an individual and now you're the sole owner of the LLC, you can create that story where it's still the same it's, person. You can create it. So right? that, can, yes. that can be done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. I can see a confusion happening mm-hmm. because when we are drafting the contract, we need to put the, um, the, the name of the um, title company. That is the doing the closing. Company, yes. So the confusion that I can see is, when it's time to wire the money, the seller or the agent or whoever is dealing with that sends the title company's wire information instead of the QIs. But I that's think why, that that's is what you in the contract when it's a 1031 exchange, yeah. and that's that additional. Then the one you can clarify. But you still need to identify the escrow, the the title company. The, okay. The, in a perfect world, on the day that you sign your listing agreement to list your investment property you already know it's going to be 1031 that's a perfect world and you know yes. to tell your realtor and then the realtor knows yeah. to tell the title company and yeah, the title company knows to tell the cute exactly. qualified intermediary but that doesn't happen so yes it's it the title I see, company i see on some listings on yes. when when you we have like uh, um, in, um, commercial properties mostly uh, they already specify on the They're broker's remarks 1031 exchange because the seller is already saying that he's doing a 1031 mm-hmm. exchange. And that's in, in in commercial real estate where usually the in, the person selling and buying commercial real estate is a little more um, experienced. educated, yeah. experienced. Yes. They've probably been burnt in another yeah. transaction. Exactly. That's they how people always learn. They already made a learn. mistake. They already made a but mistake. That's how people always learn. Like going back to what you were saying, but the... The buyer is who wires the funds, not the seller. Yeah, but so the buyer sends the funds to the title company, and then the title company disperses to the QI directly, exactly. not yeah. to you. Exactly. So you, as a seller, you don't, you never receive. Oh, exactly. So you I don't have to I worry about that. that. The money needs to go to the QI, not to. But the no, but once the cl- transaction is closed, because in the meantime, the t- money is not yours yet. Yes. So here's how it looks like on the day of closing for the seller, on his uh, HUD, right? If it's done right, on the HUD for the seller. There's going to be a portion of the proceeds that are, because, you know, as a dispersion agent, the title company is maybe paying off your mortgage, your whatever, you know, stuff that you have on your property. And then the portion after you pay all of your debts and mortgages on your your property. Sending the seller goes to the Q1. And let's just say you're realizing $45,000. Those $45,000, it says it's being dispersed to the whatever qualified intermediary. So the title company knows. The forty-five grand is going to this qualified intermediary. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's. What happens those are the if pitfalls. what happens if the the title company screws up and sends to the wrong account? Um, the title company screws up. Well, 
It's, it's our job. It's, a, it's the job. The so insurance covers. No, 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 no. Actually, it's easier. No. It's the intention was there. The intention was to do the 1031. You did the 1031 agreement Just with the QI. The QI gave their wire instructions, and the title company sent it to to you, the seller, by accident. And you said, no, no, hello, look, my, I have it's this. The one. I have the so QI here, by. and then you you could wire. Yeah, that's showing the story and well, acting in good faith. Yeah. And we as realtors yeah, always help our clients read the HUD. It needs <laughs> to be the same day. You cannot realize that there was a mistake two mm -hmm. months later. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it, exactly. You have to like. And the title right company away. would know or should know like that beforehand that there is a QI involved exactly. to, to be able yeah. to qualify. You said what could go wrong? That's the biggest one I see that. People go through the, the sale, they think that just having a different bank account, like me, the seller, I'm this investor, I have an account under my, just for my investment property account, and they think just having it there and that I didn't take out a dollar means I could okay. reinvest it and I'm covered. That is not. No. The biggest one is you need to have the, the QI, I say before closing, but even on the morning of, I've had a seller be like, no, oh my gosh, I want to do the 1031. I say, absolutely not. We got to get a, a QI and you know, you, we add $900 to the HUD as the fee to pay the QI and the QI does all the paperwork. Um, it's it's I think okay. it's very valuable to an investor. Yes. So nine hundred dollars for not paying taxes forever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know that he thinks IRS you have to is look cool. Way. <laughs> yeah, IRS code is cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, if yeah. you're not doing, you're losing a lot mm -hmm. of money. So something that I want to get back to you on is the like for sure in writing from the IRS or either IRS IRS case law or case law through accountants is the part about the international properties. This because the profit realizes domestic, but it has to do with properties outside. I think Giovanna and I are correct where it wouldn't apply, but I'm still know. gonna look it up because this is a you know a prestigious uh, real estate firm that you guys have a bunch of international clients of and they're gonna have those questions. And, and you wanna have those <laughs> answers for your clients. Of so. course, you yes. have uh, three weeks to get back. Exactly. Oh yeah, <laughs> so you have a real... <laughs> when uh, this okay. is going to be live, we do another like a outro for our, our video. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. It would. Um, and then the... I'm so also everybody that is watching you, live yes. needs to follow us. Uh, you know what I would love? Can people leave comments? Because what would be awesome is if we had like an expert and they 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 were actually answering yeah. our I'm questions. I'm sure they yeah, are. We, we cannot read the comments because, because uh, we cannot we see can. the phones, but I'm sure we have some we comments work, there we mm -hmm. um, because we're live. Yeah. So we just can't That's read great. them right now, but we'll read them after and we'll reply to them. Yeah. Start doing live and having live comments. Yes, we're going to have to do it later on. Um, oh yeah, we can yeah. have Ashley here, like reading the comments for us. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Yeah. Yes, yes. A lot of information. Next time, next week, and we'll questions, have it live. Right? No, other, no, other than our own questions yes. that we, we yes. bring up here. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Christina, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Christina. Thank you so it was great much. to have fun. you today. <laughs> yes, it's fun. It's so we fun talking about taxes. IRS is so cool. When we were talking about not paying taxes, is good yeah. <laughs> not for paying them guys thank you very much thank you joe thank, thank you, you thank you again thank, thank you daniel you. for hosting this again thank you daniel um, we'll Joanna, see you guys Christina. next week yeah so thank this is every friday right every, every friday, friday. Perfect. the time is now podcast awesome. YRG. Thank you. <laughs> this is the time is now podcast presented by irg